Good to see you all. Oh, I'm always surprised. But I can't whisper. That'd be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? A whispering <laughs> message. So I'm Chris. Um, it's my, my pleasure to be here uh, to give the message today. Um, I always like to start off reading the passage, and then, and then I'll give some context, okay? So um, today we're reading from John 17, uh, 6 through, through 19. Um, you can think about this as like the high priestly prayer. So beginning in verse 6, and this is the NIV. <clears throat> I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So we've been in a series uh, on soul alignment, as you all can see. And we've learned much about the prayers of Jesus. So I encourage you all to listen to each message because there's much to learn. The Our Father prayer is discussed in great detail, and we learn about God's holiness and his love for us. We wrestle with what it means to forgive and to be forgiven. And last week, Caleb started us off in John 17 and set the table for me. So thank you, Caleb. I don't know if you're here, but I really appreciate it. It really helped me think through this message. And you'll see why, I hope, by the, end of, by the time I'm done. So in terms of, of a little bit of context, and I think Caleb talked about this uh, some last week, you can think about the book of John as being broken into two different parts. Okay, so you have the first part, which has to do with the signs, or sometimes people refer to it as a book of signs. And then there's a twist, a turn in chapter 13 onwards, which can be referred to as the book of glory or the book of exaltation. And so we're now in that book of glory, book of exaltation. Okay? That's where we find ourselves. We are heading towards the crucifixion, and things are really heating up. So Caleb said a lot of great things last week. What sticks out to me most, though, is the image that he showed at the, la at the end of, of the message. Well, he's showing uh, the Trinity, and they have different colored garments on, and, and, and in particular, this idea of uh, the fact that we are invited to sit at the table with God. There's a place for us. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's just really, that's really powerful to me. Like, oh my goodness, there's space, no matter who we are, right? There's space, there's space for us.
So going back to the passage that I read today, uh, one way to think about this passage, or at least the way I'm thinking about it, how about I put it to you that way, is as the word, capital W, okay, or W, right? I have been here in the South for a bit. No, no takers. I'll let you sit on that. Uh, the word, capital W, talking to his followers about the role of God's word, small w, in the world. And I'll say that again. So the word, talking to his followers about the role of God's word in the world. So let's unpack this a little bit. So Jesus asked the word made flesh. How do we know the character, the traits of God? What does God look like? Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, the God-man. If we go to earlier in the book, chapter 1 in John, uh, it picks up on these things, telling us that, beginning in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Moreover, we see in verse 14 of John 1, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, Jesus is the Word. Okay? I think it's also important that we recognize Jesus uh, as high priest. So I opened up by mentioning that this passage of scripture uh, could be referred to as a high priestly prayer. Uh, and in doing research for today, uh, I came across this information of Jesus uh, actually uh, in this prayer, uh, is in this priestly posture of intercessor. And this is according to, to theologians, right? Praying on our behalf, interceding on our behalf. He literally is doing that in this prayer. This is something that the priest would do, the high priest would do. Uh, moreover, okay, he's the, the high priest who is also the sacrifice. One of the many ways in which he's distinct from previous high priests. Going all the way back to Aaron, I had to mention the book of Exodus. I mean, I was going to find a way to mention Exodus no matter what, okay? I'm not well, full, you know, full disclosure, but it's actually relevant here. Right? I didn't have to stretch too far. So Aaron, the original high priest, okay, Moses' brother, Miriam's brother, all right? Um, going all the way back and then moving onwards. But Jesus is distinct from Aaron and all the other high priests. And so it turns out that the book of Hebrews actually spends a ton of time talking about Jesus as high priest. And there's one passage in particular that I found, I found helpful, or I find helpful, I should say, uh, in chapter 9, uh, verse, verses 11 through 15, okay? And so the author writes, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences 
from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So I know there's, I know there's a lot, and, and I have a, a tendency when I get excited to speak quickly, and so I'm, it's just who I am. I'm, I'm trying. That's why I think the sip of water helps me, right? So I'll take a sip. Also, I didn't drink all my coffee this morning, so that's probably a good thing, at least for now. But there's a lot there, right? The idea of the eternal redemption. That's the piece I want to highlight. Instead of having to time and time and time and time again sacrifice these animals in order to, to help reconcile the people of God with God, right? Jesus is that one, once and for all, right? Provides that sacrifice. But then he's also is, is high priest. So the high priest who is also the sacrifice, we haven't seen anything like that before in Scripture, okay? Oh, I didn't even finish reading. I got so excited. So let me finish from verse 15. So for this reason... <laughs> Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he's died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension, ushers in, brings in a new covenant, a new way in which we relate to God. And what I want to highlight here is the emphasis, I think, in this particular passage, and rightfully so, is on this idea of, of righteousness, being made right with God, if we as, as, as people, you know, reconciling our relationship with God, okay? Um, now, <coughs> what I want to do is I want to turn to a verse. Uh, it's part of, uh, of what I read earlier that's really gripped me. And it's interesting language. I've, I've heard, once heard someone who, who spoke who said that before. They felt grabbed. I think they might have even been talking about their own vocation, their own calling, and like, God grabbing them, right? And that was, that was the way they described it. And it always struck me. I'm like, oh, that's, wow, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know about that. But in the process of preparing for this message, I really felt like this particular verse really like, gripped me, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm just was wrestling with it, trying to make sense of, make sense of it. Um, and and it's, verse, it's verse 17, okay? And that's the one that says, uh, sanctify them by the truth. And then there's a semicolon. I love semicolons. I don't know about you all. Um, your word is truth. So according to the experts, uh, the, the use of the word sanctify here, or sorry, the word sanctify, uh, refers to God's ongoing work to set his people apart for his purposes, to make them holy as he is holy. Uh, moreover, it appears that the Greek word used here, pronounced hagiosmos, refers to sanctification, okay, as the process of becoming holy, and that the Holy Spirit aids us in this process. Uh, these experts also say that uh, through the Spirit, God imparts his desires, values, and concerns to believers so that they share in his likeness and image. In doing so, God aligns the moral actions of believers with their legal status, i.e. righteousness in Christ. So I said process the way I did intentionally because I, I was really struck by that idea. Growing up when I, when I would go to church, you know, I would hear people say, or maybe even trying to wrestle with the idea of, you know, once saved, always saved. If you say the sinner's prayer, I don't want to clap too loud and scare you all right, but oh, you're good, you're saved, all right, you're done, go about your business. But this idea of sanctification, of being made, right, pure and, and becoming, right, being, becoming more like, like God, right, and, and following him, being a process. I don't know about you all, but I find that to be very encouraging. Like, that, that helps me <laughs> because, um, 
it's just nice to know, right, that, that um, it's a process, that, that it takes time. And I'll pick up on this theme a little bit later, okay? But again, I was just really struck by the experts, you know, as I was preparing, they literally used the word alignment. I'm like, wow, this, this is coming together here. This is fascinating, right, to see. And maybe, maybe Brother Simmons had this plan all along. Where are you, Justin? See, he, he knows. This man knows. Um, this righteousness in, in, in Christ, okay? So again, we see this emphasis on righteousness, okay? God is holy. We are not. Through Christ, we are made holy. So we could stop here. I'm not going to, by the way. Don't get too excited, right? But we could, we could stop. It's 1040. Why well, be a record here at Love Chapel Hill, wouldn't it? Um, and I contribute to it, people. I'm, I'm verbose. I mean, who am I to, right? I can't cast the first stone. But anyway, um, and some people, in fact, do stop here. They get that if righteousness, right? Holiness, sanctification, right? We fall short. We need God. We're sinners. And they stop there. But there's this other piece. There's this other component that also is important. That's also true of God. That's true of the Trinity. All right? And I haven't talked about it a lot yet, but here now I'm about to talk about it now. And it's love. So as Matt, our former teaching pastor and friend, said, he said a lot of great things. I call them Leroyisms. That's my term for these things Matt will come up with. And I'm going to totally butcher them here today, so don't, don't get too excited. But uh, that if God is holy love, I remember that one, right? Holy love. So God is holy because, well, God's God, okay? And God is love, which is why Christ came out of a love for us so deep and so profound that it's difficult for us to grasp, okay? So in fact, love is so important to Jesus that earlier in John, okay, John 13, so this first chapter where this turn takes place, where we go from the book of signs to the book of glory as we head toward the crucifixion. So this is John 13, 33 and 34, this is after he washes the feet of the disciples, he predicts his betrayal, and he says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we look throughout scripture, we see time and time again evidence that God's nature is, is one of love. That is why it's important that when we talk about who God is and what God's word tells us, we have to be sure to see righteousness and justice, holiness and love. They go together. We need both. I should insert the Leroyism here, but I didn't, I didn't do my work. But y'all know, those of you who've been here, you know, right? I think it was the Christian breathing or something. Y'all could double check me on that. Put that as a, as a question. Word, right? but, but, but the idea is, right, they go together. They go hand in hand. You have to do both or soon you won't do either. If not, I'm going to at least co-opt that, Matt. So if you're listening, I, I want to make sure, you know, don't hold it against me. But no, in all seriousness, right? Holiness and love. God is holy. God is love. So, Let's look a little more, okay, what, at how, I should say, what Jesus says in John 13, how it relates to, to John 17, right? What's the connection here? So Jesus is saying people will know they are his disciples. So it, or people will know who his disciples are, I should say, based on how they love one another. Huh. 
And in this passage for today, okay, he's wanting them to be one as Jesus is one with the Father. So, and even I would add the Holy Spirit too, right? The, the Trinity, the unity that, that's represented in that. Oh, to be united in love. And one can even say, you, you think about the, the Trinity, right? Holy love kind of characterizes how, to, how, to, how to, a, tr a Trinity relates to, right? How, how, the Trinity, okay? Holy love. So, so Jesus sends them out to the world to share with others who he is, right? To let them know that they are invited, that there's a seat at the table for them, going back to that image that Caleb showed us last week. That regardless of their nation of birth, their credentials, okay, their past, it doesn't matter, there's a seat for them at the table. As his disciples do this, though, and I think this is being reflected in this prayer, because recall, this is where we are, right? We're in the end of Jesus' life, all right? It's important that they remain rooted in God's word. Because when they are, when, when they're shaped by it, then sanctification will take place. And they will also, I think, in, in turn, be equipped to truly love one another and those around them. They'll be transformed. So I want to switch now to uh, the, the application part, all right, of um, what I have to say today. And so it turns out we're all shaped by many things, right? Our family of origin, schools, neighborhoods, places of worship, the music we listen to, the media we consume, right? our racial identity, so on and so forth. Right? We could, I could go on and on and on and on about the ways in which we're shaped. And so in, in the past, when, I, when I've had the, the opportunity to speak, I, I've talked a bit about my own background, and I've shared you know, my appreciation of music, especially music of black artists in the realm of jazz and rhythm and blues and funk and, 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 in particular, okay? Um, it's also the case I've been shaped by the Bible. I've been, I've been shaped by, uh, by, by uh, what we Christians refer to as God's Word. And so I have a folder here with me, and so anyone that knows me knows that I, I mean well, but I am not type A, and I'm a bit, um, I could be a bit absent-minded, and, and, and being neat is not one of my virtues, okay? So if that's a virtue of godliness, and that's, sanctification is a process. I, I'm still being worked on, people, all right? And Tiana can attest to that in particular. She puts up with me. But I, I have this sheet here, um, and this isn't, okay, so growing up, people, the more tattered your Bible, the more holy you were, was like the way I thought about things growing up. So I'm not trying to like convey, the, oh, look how holy Chris is. That's not my point. Um, but at one point, in my, oh, let me not lose sight of my notes. But at one point in my, in my life, um, when Tiana and I first moved here with Kaya in, in 2011, we moved to UNC because I had a job. Um, I would read the Bible often, okay? And so um, I, I would read a passage, and, and I would write down what verse resonated most with me at that time. And so at that point, I was reading the message. I liked just the, the language of it, right? I found it really kind of refreshing. And now I have to try to read my words here. So anyway, I'm looking here in one day, and I don't have the dates here for you, but I know it was at least a decade ago. But uh, Proverbs 28:20, committed and persistent work pays off, you know, get rich quick schemes or ripoffs. I think, I think that resonated with me because one time when I was in college, <laughs> I, um, I was working at the front desk to make a little bit of money. I don't know if you all have ever been in that position. And, and minimum wage couldn't have been more than six bucks at that time. Uh, and I remember I worked, I don't know, maybe a one to three a.m. shift or two to four a.m. One of those just horrible shifts. No one wants to work. And I was really tired. And, and he, this guy came up to me and I, somehow I met him and he said, oh, 
uh, it was essentially a Ponzi scheme. It was a ripoff, right? But he said, oh, you know, if you pay me $400, then you sell these things, and right, you can get this kind of money. And I, I mean, I was desperate for anything. I'm like, anything's better than sitting at the desk at 2 in the morning. So I think I probably was thinking of that when I wrote down that verse from, oh, yeah, those get rich, they'll rip you off, right? But here's my point, people. My point is I did this for a season of my life, right? Um, and depending on where I was, there were certain things that I paid more attention to. Um, and, you know, and in preparing for today's message, like I was reminded of this practice. So even though it's been years, okay, I, I don't do this now. And, and, and perhaps I may, <laughs> I may reinstitute it after today. Who knows? Um, but this practice I did for so long, right, it was such a part of my life that without me even realizing it, like God's word is, is in me, like I, in, through reading it and through reflecting on it, all right, and even before going to Bible studies and being in church and so forth. So God's word is in me. It, it shapes me, it, it buoys me, it challenges me, all right? Um, and I'm reminded of what uh, was written in Deuteronomy 11, 18, uh, which says, you know, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Or, or in Jeremiah 31, uh, one of the rare parts of the book of Jeremiah that provides a message of hope. Okay, the Bible Project does a really great job of talking about this. If you want to know like a synopsis, see I'm getting excited now, I'm talking fast. If you want to know a synopsis of Jeremiah, all right, I think it's maybe seven minutes long, go to Bible Project, Jeremiah, and it's fascinating, okay? But the part uh, that I'm referencing here, 31, is, is, the, is one of the rare parts that talks about hope, okay? And a lot of Jeremiah is not about hope. <laughs> oh my goodness, man, they worship in other guys, they're in exile. There's a lot that goes on in that book, okay? But this part talks about hope. And uh, I want to just read, read a few verses here. Um, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So when we read God's word, it becomes a part of us. It, sh it shapes us, okay, and, and we're transformed as a result. And so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the, the new covenant that I talked about and Jesus ushering the new covenant, this high priest, all right, that's mentioned here in this particular passage in, in, in Jeremiah, okay. And it's just beautiful to think about that connection from Exodus to, to Jeremiah to, to John. I find this stuff fascinating, people. I just, just thinking about how the, how the Bible kind of is held together, all right? That hopeful time that's, that's being referred to in Jeremiah is pointing to Jesus. Wow. Now, perhaps you, you all might have different reasons why you're not responding. Maybe you didn't have enough coffee. Maybe you're just listening tentatively. I don't want to judge, right? Um, but what I do know, and this is the part that I thought would be the most I thought, well, because of what I'm about to say, I thought would be the most challenging part of giving this message. But through Caleb, right, and through I think God working through us, right, and, and, um, and, and really kind of helping me see 
some different things. I, I came, I was able to approach this differently, all right? And so what, what am I talking about? So for me, when I think about this idea of the new covenant, and I think about unity and people loving one another, right? And sanctification, this idea of being made more and more and more like God. I look at the Christian church today, and I'm, I'm, I'm often angered and saddened and frustrated by how it engages with the question, well, well a, a number of things, but in particular, the question of race and racism in the U.S. So as a black person who has lived the entirety of my life in the United States, and I, I've been part of, of the church for some decades now, and in different types of churches, right? what we refer to as black church, where you kind of clap and you get a lot of call and response. So let the church say, amen. And I would say Jesus, and somebody would say wept, but I was in a different part of the passage, and so then I would just, we didn't want to shame him. So we would, no, he went off to be by himself. We're in a different part of scripture. Just listen, right? The choir singing with the robes and the swaying and the ushers with the hats and the gloves, right? So that was way back in the day for me, okay? And then I went to like more of a vineyard church where, you know, people were singing and the words were different and, I'm, and, and there wasn't clapping and no one talked when a person was speaking. And I'm like, what is this world, right? But uh, and now, right, Love Chapel Hill is an amalgamation there, right? A mixture, a mixture of the two, I would say. Um, I got off script here, but the point is, right, being who I am as a black person and a black Christian um, and also as someone who studies politics in the United States, I actually, in my mind, I understand why whites and blacks even white and black Christians, why they vote differently. I talk to my students about that. I have theories that explain why that's true, right? Not me, but I talk about those ideas. Um, why people think about politics differently depending on their racial identity. Like, I get that. I could tell you, I'm not going to tell you today, but I can explain to you why. There's an explanation for it, right? I even understand the challenges of living, uh, sorry, of having congregations made up of meaningful numbers of blacks and whites. Part of it is because we've been conditioned, we've been shaped by our context about rules that were in place not too long ago, saying that blacks and whites couldn't attend the same school. They had to live in different parts of town. They couldn't marry one another. That's 1967, Loving versus Virginia. The vestiges of these divisions continue to remain. And don't even get me started on what's happened in the last 60 years. Again, that, see, Josh, I didn't have that in my message, so I'm not going to go off script, my friend, but I, I, mm, we've lived through the last few years, okay? I'll, I'll mention one, other, one thing I didn't have written down. I was thinking about this. I think it's partly why it was so powerful for us to engage with uh, St. Joseph's AME um, is, is it wasn't until 1964 when the Civil Rights Act was passed that you know, I, as a black person, could go to a place like Varsity Theater and be treated in the same way as a white person, go to Sutton's, buy one of those nice, nice burgers. You get veggie, too, um, chips or fries, and sit at a table with a, right, with a white friend and be treated with dignity and respect. And one other small thing here for us Chapel Hill folks is, is Chapel Hill had an opportunity as a locality to integrate those facilities prior to the federal government requiring them to, and they, and they failed to do so. Now, here's the thing. You're not alone. So, I mean, that, that's par for the course in the U.S. Anyway, that's my one digression. My point is, so it, it is the past, but it's also the present, okay, these, these divisions that exist, okay? And so for me, as I'm thinking about how <laughs> we're united in our love for Christ, what? How's that even, like, what, how's that even sound reasonable? Right? How's, that even, how's that even a legitimate claim for people to make? But in preparing this and thinking about Jesus in the high, in the high priestly prayer, right, uh, and just in preparing for today's message, I was able to get a different insight about this, right? I actually remain hopeful that things can be different. 
So I haven't watched The Chosen. I'm pausing for y'all to groan. Go ahead, the collective groan. Oh, Chris, I, I said, thank you, Derek. See, look, I, there you go. You, I'm sure I would. I'm sure I'd like it, right? Um, I hear great things about it, though. I should have just said that whole sentence. I should have spit it out. What I do know uh, is that, um, about, about the disciples, is that Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot. And so they didn't see eye to eye. It turns out, right? I mean, fundamentally different views about, <laughs> about the world and, 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 and so forth. Uh, I know that Luke was not a, one of the 12 disciples, right? I, but he authored a gospel, uh, a gospel, gospel of Luke, and then he was a Gentile, right? I, I know those things are true. So what I know is that from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he brought together people who otherwise would have had little to do with one another, Drop my sheet here. And so I have to think that because of that, right, and based off of what Scripture says, and based off of my own experience in my life, that this is what makes Christianity appealing in the sense that it catches people's eyes. They can't quite figure out what's going on. Why are these two people hanging out? They're not supposed to hang out with each other according to the rules of society, right? An odd pair, an odd couple, so to speak. What's going on here? Right? How can people who are so different from one another engage in community with one another? But that's what Jesus is calling for, right? And it's possible. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard, but it's, it's possible. So may we, and Justin, you come on, I think you're doing communion, my friend. So may we take heart in the fact that Jesus is praying, kind of going back to the passage. I know it's been a while, but right? he's praying for his disciples in this moment. And thus, he is praying this prayer for us. I can't see you all that well. The light is killing me, right? All, for all of us. Here in 2023. So God is holy. God is love. May we be one like the Trinity is one, characterized by holy love. May we be people shaped by God's word, and in the process, may we, the church, be the ambassadors Jesus prayed we will be. May soul alignment be what takes place in our lives individually. It may be true of us as a community. Amen. Chris, thank you, man. Thanks, Brother Y'all, are you glad Chris is on this teaching team? <laughs> yes, amen. Turn to the person on your left who is nearest to you and just say, I'm glad you're here today. <laughs> and you might, have to, you might have to shout it a little bit, but turn to the person on your right and just say, I'm so glad you're here today. Because no matter where you are coming from, what you are walking through right now, we as a church family are so glad that you are here today to hear, th that's right, Darren, to hear this word of the Lord that is about unity, that is about the barriers of this world being broken down so that we might be a part of God's holy love flowing in and through this place. 
And so one of the ways that we do that, we come to this table every single week. This is the unifier for us. This table for us, the bread and the cup, they are for us, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. His body broken, his blood poured out for you, for the forgiveness of sin. Anything that holds you back, anything that feels like you are under the thumb of sin, this, the representation of God's work in the world for our redemption, it is about breaking those chains to bring freedom in your life. And so you're invited into that today. That Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This is how we know God's love for us. That we might be his love flowing in this world. So friends, this passage of unity, it wasn't just something Jesus was praying for his disciples back then. As we see next week, as Pastor Allison is preparing to bring the word, it is, it is also for us, those who believe because of the disciples' belief. It is for you, for all of you. So today we receive the gift of his holy love through his forgiveness. We remember that it was on that last night with his disciples. They were sitting at the table. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said to them, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this, this is my blood the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of it, all of you. Holy Spirit, we pray you make for us today this means of your grace that your spirit be that unifying power because there is no other power great enough to bring together the brokenness that each of us carries and to wipe it all away and to make a way where there was no way. So as we take this bread and this cup May each of us experience the riches of your love. I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have a logistical challenge today. We are going to um, come down um, this, this side and come across as, as normal, um, but y'all, you can't go all the way around the back today, okay? So we've got a little bit of a roadblock back there.
So you're going to need to make sure you remember which row you're going into and, <laughs> and catch that row as you go back up this side, okay? Um, so we, Katie is, is ready to dismiss our rows. There is a gluten-free option if you need that, um, so just let them know when you come to the table. Friends, we invite you to come taste and see that the Lord is good.